And I also, I, I want my heroines to own their curves, but I also want to show both sides of what it's like to have those curves. So, I mean, some of us um, don't have many negative experiences as far as, you know, going through body or going through life with a chubby body. Others have tons of negative experience. And that can affect even a confident woman on a daily basis. Welcome to Steam Scenes, the podcast about... Wait, hold on. Sure, sex is, well, sexy, but it's also sassy and it's silly and it's fun. Hi, I'm El Greco and I write steamy romance. On my podcast, Steam Scenes, I'm joined by my fellow romance authors for some explosive... <laughs> see what I did there? conversations on writing all the naughty bits. Sit back, relax, and join us for some scintillating conversation on Steam Scenes. Trisha Lynn is fluent in both sarcasm and cuss words, a combination that tends to embarrass her husband at corporate functions. A tomboy at heart, she loves hard rock, Irish whiskey, and her Midwestern roots. She's drawn to strong, flawed heroines and believes writing isn't a decision one makes, but a calling one can't resist. Trisha is one of the founding members of All the Kissing, a blog for romance writers, and the driving force behind Kiss Pitch, a Twitter pitch contest for romance and women's fiction authors. She lives in the Dallas area with her husband, the world's sweetest Kane Corso, and a completely terrifying clubber, clumber, Clumber Spaniel, Clumber Spaniel puppy. Um, welcome, Trisha, <laughs> to Steam Hi. Scenes. I just bungled everything about your dogs. <laughs> no, that's okay. My dogs are very weird breeds. So. Yeah, they are. <laughs> it's a Cane Corso. It's an Italian Mastiff. Oh, that's a big dog. It is. She's a big girl. She is probably the sweetest dog you'd ever want to meet she looks terribly intimidating she has she's a rescue so she came oh. to us with cropped ears and <gasps> but oh. and she's a black brindle color so she tends to scare people but she's such a sweetheart and then the other one is a clumber spaniel and they are an endangered breed so nobody's ever heard of those I did not realize that there were endangered breed dogs yes there are um they they're originally an English breed the clumbers, but they, um, their numbers have dwindled over the years. And I think they have about 300 puppies a year born in the UK and 200 born in the U S that's not a lot. No, it's not. It's, it's, a uh, it's a little touch and go for them. Breeders are trying to make them more popular. So more people know about them and want them as pets, but yeah, they're just, it's a shame because they're really beautiful dogs and they're also a lot of fun they're really Aww. funny but no, he's 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 like in the terrible twos right now so he's just kind of an asshole all the time uh, they're all assholes at that sort of point you know yeah <laughs> this morning I took a pillow away from him he chewed my pillowcase right off of it so yeah. there you go yeah when my yeah. two were puppies they um they chewed the drywall oh god I was like what 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 yeah <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> I was like hiding everything. I'm like, you're not getting my shoes. You're not. And then they're, and then they're like, okay, well, we'll just chew the drywall. Mm -hmm. I'm like, great. Thanks. <clears throat> yes, exactly. Yeah. He's just, he's a terrible teenager, right? Oh, oh you can probably hear him now. Cause he just decided he's going to jump on my lap. Oh, that's, yeah. yeah. That's right. what they all do. 
He's cute. That's the only reason he's still alive. (laughs) Oh, puppies. We do love them. Okay. So I know that we had talked about this earlier. And so I just want to say before, while we were in the, the, the proverbial green room, um, about kiss pitch, which was actually in your bio and uh, all the kissing. Um, and I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. We won't plug it. And then, and then I'm reading through your bio and I'm like, Oh, it's in our bio and it's too late for me to stop. So we yeah. should, <laughs> so I do want to say that all the kiss, kissing you've, you have decided to shut that down. We have. Yeah. We're okay. just, we've gotten to a point as when, as writers, when we started it, we were in a different place and um, we've had three or four babies since then and health issues and, you know, our own book contracts and edits and blah, blah, blah. And it's just gotten to the point where we can't give it the attention it deserves anymore. Great. But, you know, I did want to, even though you're, that's no longer going to be a thing. um, Mm -hmm. And I totally get it. Things, Mm -hmm. you know, life evolves and all of that. You did participate in pitch wars and I would kind of love to, just discuss that because I've never done it. I've seen it on Twitter and mm-hmm. it sort of fascinates slash scares me. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, it's really a great program. It's like um, a master class in craft and you get it really quickly. At least you did when I was a pitch wars mentee. Okay. Like now they have, I think, what is it? Four or five months. We had two months when I was a mentee. Um, So basically a mentor picks you um, from the first chapter that you submit to them. Okay. Um, And then, well, actually they can request more. I'm kind of all over the place with this. Sorry, (laughs) you enter, you submit to specific mentors (laughs) that you think would be a good fit with you and what you write. Um, And then they can request if they want to see more from you, kind of like an agent. Okay. Um, and then they choose from their pool one um, writer to mentor for that period of time. And they okay. take that manuscript and work on it and revamp it. And you learn things. You learn how to use tools. and But it's very intense. Um, so it's, yeah, it's definitely an experience. And I kind of feel like I got very lucky falling into Pitch Wars with my first manuscript. Okay. Um, so... I, I know I wouldn't be where I am without it. So Brenda, Brenda Drake is the one who um, started Pitch Wars and now it's run by committee. Okay. Um, wonderful program. Absolutely wonderful. But competition is also very stiff to get in and it isn't the only way to, you know, land an agent and a publishing contract. Right. So I like to tell people that up front. I reinforced that with my own mentee this last year. Um, she, she did extensive work. Um, we switched POVs and wow. rearranged scenes. We went from third person to first person, and she, she was amazing. She did wonderfully, and she did manage to get an agent, but I also made sure to tell her as we went along, this doesn't guarantee you an agent. This doesn't right. guarantee you an agent. You know, right, we're doing course. great work here, but it doesn't mean it's going to happen. So, And she was she's so down to earth. She was great. She got it completely, but... Well, just to have the hands-on, I would imagine, because, you know, I still work with a developmental editor. I mm-hmm. live and die by that because I just can't, sometimes can't see the for you know, can't see the forest through the trees. Oh, yeah. And so I, I think it's probably a very similar 
I mean, I think it's similar work being done, but in a very, in a much more personal way. That's what it seems like to me, you know, rather than like editor goes away and takes the book and you come back and retract changes, you know? (laughs) know? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like your, your mentor is basically a glorified CP, a critique partner that knows more than you do. So they're going to take the time to teach you when an agent or an editor might not necessarily have the time. Right. So it's okay to go to your mentor and ask, okay, but why am I going to do this? Right. You know, Right. and have them explain it to you and you go, oh, all right. Now it makes sense to me. So yeah, it's, it, that's why I say it's like a master class is because you get the why right. of what the rules are and why you should follow them and when you should break them. Oh, this is kind of fascinating now. I'm, I'm sort of like, oh, maybe I should submit to this. Because <laughs> it really just sounds wonderful. Like, you know, agent and all of that aside, you mm-hmm. know, um, mm-hmm. I, I just to have that sort of one-on-one with somebody who knows more than me, mm-hmm. um, I think, you know, that's so valuable. It is. It's amazing. I, I, and I'm still... My Pitch Wars mentor was Rebecca Yaros, and she and I still talk pretty regularly. Like, and if I have questions now, now my questions are more about book marketing and right. you know, placement and that kind of stuff. And she's she's there. I can call her, you know, That's and great. she will yeah. just basically talk my ear off for an hour. She talks very fast, so sometimes I have to tell her to slow down. Oh. <laughs> I'm I just can't, I can. I, my brain doesn't process that fast Rebecca please slow down <laughs> but yeah it's it's great I mean I, I love that setup too and with the woman that I mentored um, her name is Sarah Bernard and I think you guys will recognize that name soon I'm pretty sure that she's just amazing um, but I, I like having that kind of relationship with her as well. If she comes right. across a question that she can't get an answer for, she knows she can talk to me. At what level of steam does she write? She writes some hot stuff. Does she? <laughs> use, can you put? Can you ask her if she wants to do the podcast? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, cool. Sure. Has she? Yeah. Does she have a book out yet, or is she like? She does not. She's out on submission right now. Okay. All right. Um, but she did sign with uh, Jessica Alvarez at Bookends. Oh, that's through wonderful. Yeah. Oh, very I actually cool. didn't get my agent through Pitchfork. Oh. I, didn't, I didn't get an agent in the agent round. Mine came through um, DV, the DV pitch contest. I don't know any of these contests. I tend to ignore them because I always go, I would never get that. And then I move on. Like, I'm just, oh, wanna, yeah. like, I, I don't know why I say that to myself. I'm like, oh, you'll never get that. Just move on. And I'm just kind of like balls out, whatever. I'm like, meh. What does it hurt? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm like, yeah, you'll never get it. What's the point? Yeah. Yeah. Well, mine came through a a pitch contest that was for, um, is specifically for own voices. Okay. Um, And since I was writing, you know, fat representation and curvy heroines, um, I hooked up with my agent who's Sarisa Hernandez and she's with Andrea Brown Literary. Awesome. Yeah. And she is, you know, a chubby girl like me. And she said, I love this. We're taking it. Yeah. (laughs) We're going to have that conversation for sure in a little bit. But um, I wanted to ask you, uh, because I just sort of like jumped in all over the place. But when, at what point did you realize you wanted to be a writer? Oh, gosh. You know, I started writing really young. Okay. Um, I, 
I was in, I don't think I realized I could write until I was, in, I was in grade school. I was like in fifth grade and we had this, my whole class entered this national contest that was basically, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? Mm. And, um, I entered this contest and I told, uh, my essay was about the fact that I wanted to be the first woman to win both. And this is relevant now because it's actually going on. I wanted to be the first woman <laughs> to win the Tour de France, both the Tour de Femme, which is the women's version and the men's version. Uh-huh. And I was, I was like 10 or 11 at the time, but, um, I, I ended up winning a pizza party for my class. And I didn't bother telling my folks about it. And the principal <laughs> sent home a note to my mom. She's like, did you know your daughter won this, you know, lovely thing for us? And, and I'm like, my mom said, did you do this? And I said, well, yeah. And she said, Trisha, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why didn't you say something? You just were like, yeah, whatever. I, I think that's when I realized I could write. But I didn't okay. really start writing, writing. Um, until I think 2015, okay. I have a whole bunch of knee surgeries. I had like seven knee surgeries Oof. in a row. Ow. And yeah, all I could do was sit on my butt. I couldn't work a regular job. It was, you know, over the course of three years. And right. my mom and I, again, were sitting and talking about, uh, what I was reading at the time and it will remain nameless, but I was telling her how much I disliked it and how much I would do it this way instead of that way. And I thought the story, the story had holes here and there and blah, blah, blah. And she's like, you know what? Put your money where your mouth is or shut up. Oh, but <laughs> <laughs> now can I ask like, what was it that didn't work for you? It like, I don't, I, without obviously like giving it away, I guess, mm-hmm. is there a way that you could sort of say, Oh, apart from the, the the characters weren't believable, or like what what did it for you? Where you were so frustrated? The characters were completely unbelievable to me. Okay, totally okay. unbelievable. And then on top of that, some of the the language that the writer used, and she's very famous now, mm-hmm. so you all can make a guess. Um, but some of the language, I'm like, oh my god, this is just like not hitting it's not hitting whatsoever i didn't know it at the time that we would call it purple prose and but all i could think of you know was like the bodice rippers and i'm like this is modern day stuff here this shouldn't be be like this so so you listened to your mom and you said okay i'm gonna give it a shot was that moonlight and whiskey is that what was that the result or does this Um, it is okay all right moonlight and whiskey was the result that was Uh the other thing I had told her at the time was you know what I get really sick of the fact that I read these books and all the heroines are you know these size sixes Mm -hmm. and I never see any heroines that look like me in these books Yeah. yeah and she said well maybe that's where you should start and so I said, okay. And I sat down and started sketching out some thoughts and Avery was born. And so was Moonlight and Whiskey. That is fantastic. I kind of yeah. love it. it. You definitely sort of like wrote the book that you wanted to read. Oh, yes. Which I know Most it's something. Definitely. Yeah, I know that's something that a lot of writers, how they ended up being writers is they saw this gap and they weren't seeing whether it was themselves or just a, a situation in within the genre. And they were like, well, I guess I'm the one that's going to have to write it. Mm-hmm. And I yep. love that. I absolutely love that. I wanted that rep and it wasn't there. So 
that's what I did. <laughs> um, I, I, I want to, the, the approach that you take to writing about curvier women, and we'll really get a, a, some good points and good examples of that in the scene that you sent me. Um, there's a lot of like mentions, if a writer is writing about a curvier character, there's sort of like a mention of cellulite or there's a pant sized name drop, whatever, you know, or like mm -hmm. a jiggly bits reference, you know, and it's never really celebrated. It's more like, a, oh, I, it's more like, a, oh, I hope, I hope he doesn't notice my jiggly bits, you know, and, and, but you're like full on embracing women with curves. And I think that yeah. that is absolutely fantastic. And I, I love that. And I'd love to sort of talk about that a little bit because the way that you approached it was just so like, it was just, we have a hero who is absolutely worshiping a curvy body. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I, and I was like, yeah, yes. Yeah. I just, you know, there's a, such a thing in the world as preference and there's nothing wrong with preference, but there are men that do like a curvier woman. My yeah. husband is one of them. So lucky me, cause he's awesome and he's hot. <laughs> but um, at least I think he's hot, but he's, um, it, it's just, I don't know. I mean, gosh, I don't really know what to say other than I just wrote what I wanted to see there. I was, right. I was tired of it being, you know, a little bit of let's just kind of mention it and then hide it away. Yes. Um, yeah. And, and I also, I, I want my heroines to own their curves but I also want to show both sides of what it's like to have those curves. So, I mean, some of us um, don't have many negative experiences as far as, you know, going through body or going through life with a chubby body. Others have tons of negative experience. Right. And that can affect even a confident woman on a daily basis, you know, right, right. of how they see themselves. So I like to write in both kind of lanes there. Like um, in the scene that I sent you, Lily is very confident in her body. Yes, yes. Um, in, the, in my first novel, Moonlight and Whiskey, Avery is confident in her body, but she's had a lot of negative attention because of it. Okay. So she's, she's not fighting what she thinks about her body. She's fighting what other people think about her body. So yeah, I like to go both lanes because I think that it just, I mean, for true representation, you have to have both kinds of novels. I agree. I completely yeah. agree. And honestly, I hadn't really thought of it, thought of it, but it's kind of a no brainer. It's like, yeah, of course you have to have the different experiences, like, cause mm -hmm. there are all the experiences out there. Yeah. Yep. What, drew, what drew you to the romance genre? <sighs> The happily ever afters. Yeah. Yeah. The ha I mean, it was just, when I start, I've been a reader forever. My, my mom, again, my mom. Um, and I started with a lot of horror. Like I, I was never like the sweet Valley high kind of girl. Right. So I did a lot of Stephen King and, you know, that kind of stuff. And um, I just would get, I would read something that was really intense, like um, it. And then I would need something lighter afterwards, you know, because that would keep me up all night. So I still, I'm like, hmm, I'm going to give a romance novel a try. And I did. And I'm like, you know what? I like the fact that this is there and that 
I went through the will they or won't they, but I knew it was going to be there in the end. Right. So yeah, it just, the warm fuzzies. Yeah. It just gives you warm fuzzies. <laughs> I absolutely <laughs> love that. <laughs> okay. So Moonlight and Whiskey won bestsellers, uh, Booksellers Best Award in Erotic Romance. Mm-hmm. Publishers Weekly called it an erotic masterpiece. Well done. Right? it's like, clearly you wrote steam straight off like oh I thought it, yeah for real but like every time I get a bad review or read a bad review I remind myself of that quote oh good <laughs> so it's always in the front of my brain so every time I start to get the imposter sin- imposter syndrome I'm like oh my god but you know Publishers Weekly called this an erotic masterpiece oh, <laughs> oh that's crazy that you get I mean I'm I, it's kind of a bit of a relief to hear that you get imposter syndrome considering oh, you know yeah. you have a review from publishers weekly calling your book an erotic masterpiece your very first book <laughs> no uh, imposter syndrome never goes away i don't think it ever ever goes away it just gets it, it, the focus becomes different mm. like every time i but every time i sit down and write a book i think to myself about halfway through it i can't do this i cannot do this i'm 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 failing miserably, you know, do you this know is a dumpster fire. That? Yeah. Huh? Do you know what triggers that? Is there something that like, especially at the halfway mark for you, like you're just, is it, do you know? I, know. I okay. really don't. <laughs> I guess if you knew you'd make it stop. I guess, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But like uh, other authors that I've talked to, like my Pitch Wars mentor, Rebecca, and some, some others have said, no, it doesn't ever really go away. Mm. So it just the mechanics of it might become easier, but it doesn't mean you're not going to think that what you're writing is a dumpster fire. It always happens. Yeah. Yeah. I wish I had a better answer for you, but no, sorry. Okay. (laughs) I mean, at least it's, it's good to know, you know, that other people go through it, especially people who are so, you know, um, critically acclaimed and, you know, and, and, in this sort of like, you know, different phase of their career, just to be able to say, okay, you know, this is, this is, everybody goes through this and it doesn't mean that, you know, you can't do this, you know, because Mm -hmm. you can, Mm -hmm. you can, you just have to shut that little imposter voice up. Yeah. (laughs) You have to push through. Yeah. 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 My sophomore, not actually. And let me tell you this, my, my sophomore novel protective instinct was, it took me, a year and a half after I wrote Moonlight and Whiskey before I could get that out. And it was because the imposter syndrome went from bad to excruciating. Really? Yeah. It was so hard for me to write. I'm like, here's this book and it did pretty good. And maybe it's a one-off and, you know, I can't do this again. I'm a one hit wonder and blah, blah, blah. And it took me forever. And thank God for my agent because she stuck with me through it all. She's like, no, you can do this. And she was pretty much my hold. She held my hand and, and guided me through. Otherwise I'm not sure I would have finished that next book. Yeah. I was going to ask you what got you through that, how you managed to sort of soldier through and get that book done. Yeah, she did. She did. And, um, my, my writing sisters from all the kissing, you know, Um, and that would be, and let me mention their names is Maxim Martino (laughs) and uh, Alexa Martin and Gwen Jackson, uh, Stella Becks and Lindsay Hess. So, and those ladies, that's my pitch wars mentee group. And they were just wonderful. I mean, 
they just nursed me through too. So yeah, yeah. writing is so solitary, um, but I found that it really helps to have, you know, other writers that you can go to and bitch and moan and complain and celebrate and question. And, you know, it just, it makes a huge difference. Mm -hmm. It really makes a huge difference. And so, you know, if you can find, you know, as a writer, like just, you know, a group or even just one other writer who you can have that bonding with, it's really, it's really helpful. It is. Yeah. Because it really is so solitary. And then you get in your head you know, yeah. like I did, and you can't get back out. Yeah. yeah. And, and sometimes uh, the worst place to be is your own head. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And that's actually where all the kissing came from is that we're like, you know what? This is much easier when we have each other to lean on. Yeah. We should really be sharing that with other people. Yeah. So, oh, and, that. and that's where the idea came from. So, yeah. So because you off the bat wrote a book that was pretty intensely erotic very Uh steamy scenes yeah what was it okay did you first of all know that you were going to go that route with the book or did you just end up there as a reader that's what I would gravitate towards like I was never a fade to black kind of girl that used to piss me off Don't get me wrong here. I, I started writing romance because I like the, the warm fuzzies, but come on, we like the sex. We bring the sex, you know? And so I, yeah, I just thought when I wrote it, I, I thought to myself, there's a very good chance that no one is ever going to see this anyway, so I'm just going to go balls out. Literally. Yeah, literally. <laughs> literally. And uh, so I wrote it how I want to read it, and then when I decided to query it, I thought about, you know, backing it off a little bit, but then right. I, I, I'm just one of those people that's like, meh, we'll see, <laughs> you know, let's just see how it goes. So we change it later. <laughs> Love and it. I didn't have to change much. I mean, I think I went in with like 10 sex scenes and Whoa. Came out with eight. Wow. That's a yeah. lot. That's the only a thing, lot. Well, and the only thing that really got cut my pitch wars mentor asked me to cut a threesome (laughs) and not a lot of people know that really good threesome tell me more (laughs) awesome if you want to read it i'll send it to you i still have it (laughs) yes please (laughs) okay (laughs) so wait okay now why did she want you to cut the threesome did it have to do with a cheating like was it about the trope like why did she say "Mm, get rid of that because at the time, when I went in, I thought I might self-publish. Okay. But then I got the traditional bug. And it wasn't necessarily that... I just wanted to see, can I get published this way? Right. Because um, at that point, she told me, you know, my goal, her goal was hybrid publishing. And that's what she does now. Okay. And so I thought, you know what? That's actually really great idea so that's where I'd like to be so let me see if I can get this traditionally published and she said if you're going to try that you should take out this scene because it's going to be just a little much for pearl clutchers yeah and I said well uh, and she and I argued over it I mean (laughs) it wasn't easy for me to take out because it was like one of my favorite scenes in the whole book but in the end I understood her reasoning and then there were other things I 
we argued over other things too, but um, there you have to pick your battles. Right. And I'm like, this is a woman who's got some really lovely books out and knows what the hell she's doing. Right. I'm going to listen to her on this. Right. Right. So yeah, I pulled it and I actually, I'm glad I did. So. Yeah. Cause I mean, ultimately there, you know, we do have to listen to the market, whatever yes. the market might be and the market in traditional is definitely like a little bit different than the market in independent. And, you know, and so it's, it's, you know, we have to listen to the market and what the mm -hmm. market wants. You know, mm -hmm. I know uh, I've been, told um that sweet romance is now coming up as like a big seller and that's not my that's not how i write either um mm -mm. you know but but you know that's if that's what the market wants i don't know that i'm going to go that way but you know we'll probably see this sort of explosion from the publishing houses of sweet romance because they are definitely looking at what the market is doing oh yeah definitely definitely yeah they're always you know, looking for what's going to be next. I remember a couple of years ago, romance was dead. If you oh. wanted to, in trad, romance was dead. If you wanted to sell anything, it needed to be called a rom-com. Right. I'm like, what's the difference? There is none. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. There's not really a difference here. Other than the cover, you know? Yeah. Kind of like new adult as a genre. That's not really a thing. It's not. No, it's not a thing. It's it's, it's YA or it's adult. Pick one. Yeah. Yeah. It's not really a thing, but <laughs> yeah. the, I don't know. Market has decided that we needed new adult. So there we are. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It didn't really take off, but I, I think there's a bigger market for new adult in indie publishing though, isn't there? Yeah, but I mean, honestly, like my first romance was, I think, you know, considered new adult, the heroine was 19, like it was mm -hmm. very, you know, she was very young. And I mean, based on my stats, my readership is skews quite older than, oh. you know, new adult readership, which I'm, I'm frankly not really surprised. Yeah, I'm not really surprised. I just think that, you know, younger I think younger audiences, for whatever reason, stick with YA and, you know, the older audiences do move into into romance um later like I, I kind of I don't know that's that sort of it didn't really surprise me even mm. though um I was technically writing a new adult but it didn't mm. surprise me my audience skewed older yeah yeah I you can see that yeah you know, yeah I just also think that you know that the, these are the people that might have a little bit more time and money to devote to reading I think that's very true I'm I'm 45 when I was 20 20 to 23 all my money was devoted to going out and dancing and yes yeah i mean truth you know, yeah we had different priorities drinking too much and yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> totally different priorities than yeah then when you're in your 40s and truthfully you know it's it, it's also you know the kids the kids these days you know they, they're dealing with um you know cost of living that is much much higher yeah. Than than when I was younger and, you know, fairly stagnant wages and all of that. But um, but yeah, I, I, I'm I just it didn't surprise me when I when I started like really when I was really able to drill into um, the, the demographics of who was reading my my work to sort of see that, well, I'm writing a new adult, but it ain't the kids that are reading it. <laughs> And I will, I will absolutely pick up a new adult novel before I will pick up YA usually. So yes, yeah, I fall right into that category. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, and you know, because I, I don't mind reading about younger people. I also don't mind reading about older people. You mm -hmm. know, um, it, 
honestly, my editor was like, no, but I was like, oh, I have, I have these side characters that are probably in their 50s, 60s. And I was like, oh, I think I want to get them together. She started laughing at me and then she was like, yeah, no, no. And I was like, no, I really think that it might be. So I don't know. I, but like, you know, sex for the AARP set, I think would be a really interesting book to write because oh, there's nothing out there for them. Think of all the silver foxes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, and there's also, I've noticed in this culture, like, we just seem to think that, like, people stop having sex at, what, 40, I, I don't know, maybe 45 about, is the cutoff. About my age, I yeah. think, probably, <laughs> 45, mm, sex stops. Like, we're just old and nobody has sex with us anymore. I guess. Especially women. I mean, because men, you can, you know, they're just virile forever, you know, uh -huh. but, but for women, it's like, oh, yeah, you just don't have sex anymore. It's like, excuse me? I know, right? <laughs> I'm sorry, What? We'd be divorced if that didn't happen. I know. <laughs> my my husband and I wouldn't make it going forward. That's yeah. all I'm going to say about that. So <laughs> exactly. Yes. <laughs> so clearly, when you sat down to write your very first steamy scene, you just went for it. You had no. Yep. There was no sort of stop. No sort of like okay, I got to steal myself and get ready for this thing that I'm writing. Yeah. And, and that's what I tell like writers, like the newer writers that would come to us through all the kissing. Cause mm -hmm. I wrote a lot of the blogs, um, for about writing sex scenes. And it's, I, I would just tell them you write like no one's watching. Yeah. You know, write like no one's watching because you can always back it off later if you feel like you need to. Um, if you think it's going to embarrass you or something like that, or you don't want your folks reading it or something, then you can back it off if you really feel the need to, but write for yourself. Do you think in terms of like people that might get stalled at that point in their writing and sort of go, oh, I want to write a romance with the steamy bits, but then that, they, get, they kind of like, is it sort of like they're in their own head and that's what's keeping them from being able to write it? Do you think that's like sort of... Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I, I think they're in, they're in their own heads about what other people will think of them when mm. they read it. What what is somebody else going to think of me when they read this? And you know, I just I don't know what to say other than maybe it's just innate. Maybe it comes from the fact that I was an athlete for so long. I just don't care. <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> There are very few people in the world that I actually care what they think about me. And so I just went for it. And, and that's what I tell them to do. You can always, you know, back it down. You can always, you know, make it a little cooler. Or if you need to close the doors, you can close the doors. But right. I write for, that's how I write a sex scene is I write what I want to read. When you were writing, you know, a lot of these blogs with sort of advice, what do you feel like the best advice you've given us? Oh, gosh. Um, that emotion is just as, just as important in a sex scene as the physical. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So, you know, tab A into slot B is great. But if you, especially because it's mainly women reading romance novels, you need to connect the brain um, and the sense 
and the sounds and the feelings and what's going through her head. And I think that's what really hits with romance readers is that when it's it, the sex obviously has to be hot, but you need to be able to connect with the heroine on an emotional level as well. Mm -hmm. You need to be able to put yourself in that character's place. Even if it's a hero, you need to be able to put yourself there. Right. Um, so just, yeah, it's, it's not always mechanics. Like you need the mechanics, but you also need, you know, the emotion of it and what's happening upstairs. In terms of balancing the two, I mean, mm -hmm. is it just this sort of like, you'll know it when you feel it as you're working through the, or, or do you, or do you think that it's a little bit more obvious than that? Mm, that's a really good question. Um, I think for me, it's, I know it when I feel it. Um, yeah, I'm not really sure how to answer that. Okay. <laughs> I kind of <laughs> sprung it on you. Sorry. Yeah, no, 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 that's okay. Yeah, no. Um, I just, yeah, I think it's more of, it's an innate thing. Yeah. Like you, you'll know it when you hit it. Like yeah. if you, how are you connecting with your heroine or your hero, whoever's POV that you're in when you read it? Is it, uh, do you, are you just seeing the sex or are you feeling the feelings? You know, right. if you're making yourself have the feels, then you're probably right where you need to be. I know sometimes, you know, it's, it sounds so woo woo when mm -hmm. I'm, cause people will say to me, well, how do you write this? Or how do you come up with the ideas or where do you, and I'm sort of like, well, I hate to sound woo woo, but it's just almost instinctual. Yeah. Yeah. It really kind of is. And it's, I, I did come up with like a, well, and it wasn't me that came up with it actually. I'm not sure who did, but when I get asked about where you jump off in order to get that, mm -hmm. get to that instinctual point, Mm -hmm. And I will, I will tell people, go through and write your mechanics out. Yep. yep. And then yep. go back and put your emotion in. Right. You know, right. Um, or go back and put your senses in and then put your emotion in. Mm. So you, you actually layer it. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. This is right what's happening layers. here. But what is she thinking at this point? Mm. I can put that in next. So right. is that how you write or is yours way more intuitive? Mine's way more intuitive. Okay. Yeah. But okay. I, I don't even remember who told me that once, but it stuck with me. Yeah. And I'm like, I, I'm going to pass that along when somebody asks me is if you need a starting point, try layering. Yeah. I, I do a bit of both. Sometimes it's just, it just black comes out, boom, there it is, you know, and yeah. then other times it just, it's a struggle. So I end up having to do mechanics, mm -hmm. senses, feelings, you know, and I go through that whole layering process. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know? I will, I'll write them at the same time, but then I will go back and refine yeah. you know, when I edit. So I'm like, you yeah, know, this is too much. She's this heroine is too much in her head, you know, here, and she needs to be more about what she's, you know, the sensation or whatever. And I'll right. adjust then, but I just kind of write straight through. Right. Yeah. Now I know you're a big music fan. Oh yeah, I am too. I wrote rocks. I'm Aquarius. I have to be. <laughs> do you do you get inspiration from your from music? Oh, Does it definitely. You? Yeah, definitely. Um, in Protective Instinct, my last one that came out, it wasn't quite so heavy, but the first book, um, Moonlight and Whiskey, was actually about a hard rock band. So oh, I love it. 
Yeah, and it was about a girl's trip to New Orleans and these two friends who love hard rock and they managed to run into this local band. Um, and yeah, so the influence was strong. Like my full playlist, and I make a playlist for every book, cool. but my full playlist for that one is like 130 songs or something. What? Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's And it's like from... Um, Oh my gosh, like Elvis Presley to Disturbed. I love it. To Louis Armstrong to um, the Dropkick Murphys. Fucking awesome. Yeah, so it just goes everywhere, but there are, it's tons of hard rock on that list. I will tell you that much. So, yes, that's, that's the area I come from is, you know, that Gen X where grunge was a thing. And so that's what I grew up with. Grunge is still a thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Grunge is a thing. Calling again. it right now. Grunge <laughs> is still a thing. Yes. No, grunge <laughs> is a thing again, too. Like, I, it was last Christmas, I think. I saw one of my nieces walking around in a Kurt Cobain t-shirt, and I looked at her, and I said, do you know who that is? <laughs> and she's like, she, he, like, was part of some band, right? Oh. <laughs> oh no you did not oh <laughs> and then i'm like okay i'm gonna send you some songs you're not allowed to wear that again until you <laughs> i know well, a couple of months ago my daughter was like mom do you have any of your clothes from the 90s oh, mm-hmm. i was like nope <laughs> I was like, no, but if you go to Salvation Army, you'll probably be able to replicate my look because that's where I got them all from in the first place. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Except for my Doc Martens. I spent good money on those. Yes. Yes. And I actually would, um, we went to New Orleans recently and I, and I splurged on some John Fluvogs for her and for me. Oh, I never had flu vogs and I was like, I really, really, really want some. And so, so that was like my, my purchase. And now I love them so much. I won't wear them. Oh, (laughs) so they just sit in my closet and like, I look at them when I go in my closet and then I walk out of my closet and I look at them. I'm like, you're so pretty. And then I leave them alone. (laughs) That's like my Metallica concert t-shirt. Yes. (laughs) That I never wear. Because I, I don't want it to get threadbare or anything, yeah. you know? So. I, have, I have a Tom Petty that's the same way. I love the shirt. It is so cool. I'm dying to wear it. I don't want it to get worn. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I'll wear the Metallica t-shirt that I got from Torrid, but not mm-hmm. the one I got from the concert. No, no, no. Absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what is it with music that influences you? How does that sort of, I, I don't know, expand your mind or enhance your creativity? I think, you know what, I have just, music has always been a big part of my life, not in the way that my family are musicians or anything like that, but I grew up racing uh, BMX. Oh, and, very cool. Yeah, I raced for a really long time, and I was around these, you know, boys that were older than me, and so this kind of hard rock and even when rap, when it started, you know, hip hop um, was just always kind of right there for me. And it right. kind of became a soundtrack for me for racing. Right. So it was what I would use to get myself ready and, and all kinds of stuff. And my folks were never the kind of people that were like, no, I don't want you listening to that because there's an F bomb in there. Yeah. They, were, they were not that they weren't those people. 
my uh, my dad introduced me to classic rock very very young so <laughs> um and they you know they were of the 70s so yeah um but yeah it's just as as i've grown it's i feel like it's just grown with me it's just terribly important to me there's actually um a song i refer to a lot in moonlight and whiskey um seether broken oh. Yes. Broken by Seether, the one that they do with Amy Lee. It becomes very yes. kind of important to uh, the plot line. Oh, um, that yeah. actual song? Oh, that's very yes. cool. Yeah, and I managed oh. to do it without using any lyrics. Super hard to do. Yeah. Super hard to do. <laughs> yes. But I find that in that way, it's probably one of the ways that my heroine and I were most similar is in our mm. love of that style of music and mm. how much it means to us. Like, I will sit down and listen to lyrics and try to figure out what this song is supposed to mean, you know, and, yeah. and get into the drum solos and the, and, yeah. and I don't, I don't play an instrument. I don't, I just love it. It's, it's always on in my house. There's always music on in my house unless I'm doing something like this. Right. So yeah, it, it's just a part of who I am. Like That's I said, awesome. I'm going to blame that on being an Aquarius. So <laughs> Well, I, I'm kind of fascinated that when you were a kid, you raced BMX because that is something that, you know, I mean, we're very close in age that mm -hmm. really was, you didn't see a lot of girls doing that back when we were kids. Oh, no. Yeah. I mean, you know, you are actually the first f person that mm -hmm. said to me, oh, I used to race BMX when I was a kid, you know, woman. Yeah. And that's, I, I mean, that's a very different world. And I'm sort of thinking about, you know, um, the the excerpt that you sent me and how Lily is so forthcoming and so like she is a great heroine she is like strong and she is no bullshit and she's fun mm -hmm. and I'm like wow like there seems to like that character that you're writing is is actually you don't read her very often in romance books. And I, and I, I don't know, I, I'm seeing a tie somewhere between like racing BMX with all the boys when you were younger and do, and writing these types of characters right now. Yeah. I think, I think you've actually pretty much nailed that, nailed it on the head. It's just, it's, it's how I grew up. It's how I am. It's how I want to see my heroines. I mm. liked it, racing and the length of time that I raced and the fact that it was, you know, me and two other girls with all these boys and we all had to race the boys and luckily beat the boys on occasion. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just a kind of a different mindset. That whole kind of X games mindset is that whole, like I was talking about earlier, it's kind of like, eh, screw it. You know, I'm going to go for it. <laughs> so, so yeah, I think that I owe the sports in my life a lot a whole lot huh. for making me into the person that I am now and for the way I write my heroines. And I get kind of dinged a lot in reviews, especially on Moonlight and Whiskey because Avery is very outspoken. And yeah. I got several pearl clutchers that read that one that were like, you know, she's just too much like a man. She's too, she's just way too much like a man. We don't have Ooh. to be that way. And I'm like, thank Ooh. you. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad you think that because I don't see it one way or the other. She's confident. And if that were a man that had said that, you wouldn't have batted an eye. 
Yeah. You know, so that's just kind of how I was raised. My dad was a very strong man, but he also told me, you can do and be whatever you want to. And if you want to kick that boy's ass, go kick his ass. (laughs) You know? I love it. (laughs) So I didn't really know that I, I was supposed to, back then anyway, supposed to be the more dainty, the quieter. No, I did all the stuff the boys did. Right, right. I raced my bike. I played football. I got into fights, you know, all that yeah. stuff. So it's yeah. so interesting. It's sort of like, you know, go, the patriarchy is strong, man. Like it just, it's so wild to kind mm-hmm. of see like, you know, I, I'm reading um, one book, I, which I'm enjoying. I'm enjoying, but um, you know, the author is sort of like making it a point to always point out that like, her heroine the heroine oh okay the heroine had sex before the hero but it wasn't with a lot of people you know it was like she's she only had sex two times and both times she was in love so it was okay and and I'm sort of like it that kind of like is starting to needle me a little bit that sort of like you know well so what if she had a robust sex life before she met this guy exactly he certainly did yeah you know uh, right yeah I totally agree yeah, I, I just don't, I don't know. And maybe I've been told that I write men well, my, male, my heroes you do. very well. You do. And <laughs> I, I think that's probably why is because I grew up with that mentality of you don't hold yourself back because you are female. Right. Period. Right. There's nothing that you can't do that, a, nothing that a boy can't do that you can't do. And so, yeah, I think. I think that's why, but yeah, those, those drive me a little crazy too. That whole, um, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm just so overly dainty and yeah, I never slept around and I hate to say it. I'm not totally a virgin trope hater, but it's not my favorite trope. I've n- never even read one, so you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I've been, but I have read the ones that are like, I haven't had sex in so long. I might as well be a virgin. Okay. I've only had sex with one other person. Ergo, I am pretty much a virgin. You know, mm-hmm. I mean that, and it's sort of like, oh, I don't know. You've had like, you know, just just be okay with having a lot of sex, and that's totally yeah. cool. Yeah, you well, know, for me, it's all about why. You know, why is it because you feel like you, you know, shouldn't be having sex because you're female, you need to save yourself Mm -hmm. for a relationship or whatever? Or is it because the pickings were slim? Right, right. (laughs) There's a difference there for me. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I I don't think it was the pickings were slim. I think it was this, like, we don't want her to be a slut. Or, you know, that's the thing that sort of makes me crazy is when, you know, the sort of, like, the cat fight happens in the book and one woman is calling another woman a slut or a whore Mm -hmm. or whatever. Like, that just, I don't dig that. I'm like, no, 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 no. There's no, you know, because you are, you know, because you do have a robust sex life does not make you a slut or a floozy or whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. negative word you can throw out there at this person just because they happen, this woman, just because she happens to like having sex. I think that that's very unfair. Exactly. I totally agree. Yeah. But you do write um, men well. Um, The male point of view, which is in the scene that you sent me um, with Brody, 
was just absolutely phenomenal. So I want to dig into this scene. Okay. Are you ready? I guess so. Okay. <laughs> this is from Protective Instinct. And can you set up the scene for us? Yeah. Um, this is Brody and Lily um, had just had a little bit of an argument, um, but he had actually come home. He's a football player. She's a dog trainer. Which I thought was great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And he had just come home from training. He'd been sent home from training camp because he had a shoulder injury. Okay. She had went through school um, and has a master's degree in kinesiology, which she didn't like. So she doesn't use it. She likes training dogs. So she got certified. Um, but she's looking at Brody's shoulder. Um, so that's kind of where it is. But yeah, Lily, the dog trainer, Brody, the football player, and together they start looking for kind of an, this evil puppy mill that his rescue dog escaped from. Oh my God. I love that the big bad is the puppy mill. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. Now I couldn't tell in the scene, is this the first time that they've gotten together or had they been intimate before? They had been intimate one other time. One other time. Okay. And yeah. had they gone all the way or was it? No. Yeah. They had no, gone all no. the way. Yeah. Okay. They went for it. Okay. Yay. Yeah. All right. So um, we are in Brody's point of view and um, I was going to start. Lily gave me a little shove in the chest that set my, sent my ass to the mattress. I grinned. Somebody likes control. Have you met me? She asked, giving me a flirty wink. Standing just out of my reach, she started working her clothes off in a painfully slow move. Lily bent at the waist to push her shorts and panties down her legs. It was a perfect fucking view, that ass I'd fantasized about, but hadn't seen shake as it slapped my thighs, the plump lips that peeked out from between her legs, and the curve of her inner thigh into her cheek. God damn, that is the most spectacular thing I've ever seen, little vixen. You can touch it, you know, I'd rather enjoy it. Just waiting for permission, darling. Oh, your mama taught you well. Nor normally Lily didn't have much have much of an accent that was fairly common now but she slid right into it like a pair of old boots please don't bring up mama's i gripped her hip before i sank my teeth into the meaty globe i'd wanted to do that for so long her high-pitched squeak was so worth the wait okay so that section i thought was so flirty and so fun mm -hmm. and her curves are like her advantage like very yeah. much so. And I was like, yes, you know, there was nothing about the jiggly bits or the cellulite or, you know, there was no self-conscious consciousness going on with her and, mm -hmm. and being able to see that through his eyes and him sort of like, give me more. I want to see more was, mm -hmm. um, was really amazing to read. I really loved this. Oh, good. I'm so glad. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> And so continuing on, soothing the bite with my tongue, I brought my hand around to her other cheek and swatted it with a thwack. Lily's moan made me do it again before I dipped a finger into the lips between to circle her clit before I rimmed her entrance. God damn it, I didn't have enough hands. I wanted to lean her forward and taste her while I stroked my cock and circled her hard bud, but I only had the one hand to work with. Dear God, that's nice. Standing, she lifted her shirt over her head and popped the hooks on her bra, letting it drop. Condoms? Nightstand. She bit the inside of her cheek. It's time to have the talk, Shaw. I've always been safe and I have an IUD. Do we need these? She held up the foil packet. She was trusting me at my word. 
like the like the fucking Grinch, my heart swelled in my chest. No, I don't believe we do. Clean as a whistle here. I can count the number of times I haven't suited up on one hand, and those were a long time ago. I've been tested since. Her dimples made an appearance. Want to go bear a big guy? Fuck yes, come here. She stalked around the bed with the kind of confidence that suggested I was only along for the ride. Okay, I love her. Mm-hmm. Just putting that out there right now. I love her. I love how she, in control she is, how she knows what she wants. She just grabs it. Mm-hmm. So all of your heroines are like this? Pretty much. Um, the Actually, one of the things I love about the, the heroine in the sequel to this book is that she's not like, I wrote Lily is fairly short, short and round. And um, the one in the next book, uh, Olive, yeah. is six foot tall. Ooh, nice. And she was an athlete. She's, she's strong. Okay. You know, she's curvy now, but she's strong and she can actually give the hero a run for his money as far as strength. And so they really get into kind of some, some wrestling. Um, Oh, hey. (laughs) Now with Avery, when I wrote Avery, I did it, it, she's more tentative about her body in the beginning. But again, it's not because she doesn't like her body. It's because how people have reacted to her body. Right. So in the very, their very first sex scene, um, the hero, Declan, is very smooth and talks her through how much he loves this body of hers. And after she realizes, okay, he's good with this. He's not going to reject me when he sees me naked. Even though I like how I look naked, I like how I feel under my hands. You know, not everybody does. Yeah. So, and so he kind of takes a little time to talk her through it. But after that, everything goes out the window, you know, and she's, she's all about flaunting her curves. So, and it's not necessarily that he loves them, that she needs that reward. Right. It's that she needs that to not feel rejected in the beginning. Right. To go, okay, it's, it's, he's okay with me being the way I am. You know, rather than than I need his approval. Right. There's a difference. I mean, yeah. there is definitely a difference in that, yeah. like, she doesn't, he, he needs to, like, he's okay. She is okay within herself mm-hmm. and with yes. who she is. Yes. But it is a matter of finding somebody who is going to appreciate her for who she is and not try and change her. Exactly. You know? Exactly. And, that you was know, the difference. Yeah. And her, her reticence in the beginning is about the fact is this man going to try to change me if I take my clothes off. Right. Because that would have been through like the past experience. Yes. yes. Yeah. 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 And but yeah, they, they tend to be pretty, pretty confident, pretty body positive. These, these women that I write. So that's why there, there's just, I'm just going to read this very small bit. It is so gorgeous. And I just, I was, I was swoony um, when I read this. She was a goddess, a lovely blush crawled along her neck and cheeks. Her generous hips flared out, begging to be squeezed, her sweet tummy calling to my mouth. Lily was strength and seduction wrapped in in an air of the ethereal. I was like, oh, that was beautiful. That was just absolutely beautiful. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much. And to be complimenting the curvier bits that uh-huh. can for a lot of women feel so flawed, you know, and I think it's because they've been told over and over and over again that it's a flaw. 
right? Exactly. I mean, you know, whether it's the mom or the, or the family or the media and society, you know, whatever it might be, you know, to actually read something that is a celebration of these parts that we've been told to be ashamed of was just such an amazing thing. I was like, yes, yes. And this is what he's falling in love. Like in terms of like sexual, I don't know, attraction, physical attraction wise, this is what he's sort of falling in love with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was like, oh, hey, yeah. Yeah. I, I just love that idea of you don't have to be society's standard of beauty mm-hmm. to be beautiful. Yeah. So, and a lot of beauty comes from confidence. I agree. You know, a lot of it is just about how confident are you in yourself? Yeah, I agree completely. Okay, now we're getting naughty. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I'm good with naughty. (laughs) With a final circle of my tongue, I sat up and lined myself up with her entrance the head of my shaft sinking through all her wetness to work the tip inside as I needed her ass was pure bliss. Spreading her cheeks wide, I watched as my body disappeared inside hers so damn slow. Christ, Lil, so pretty. It had been a long time since I'd gone raw. Every sensation was multiplied. The heat and squeeze of her, the feel of her channel and the, damp- and the dampness easing my way. Warm, slick, so damn snug. I pushed forward until she writhed against me trying to get me to thrust, and a low moan erupted from her throat. When I didn't accommodate, she took matters into her own hands and rocked back, taking me in until my thighs touched hers. She moved in a steady rhythm, chasing her orgasm as the head of me dragged across that sensitive spot inside her, but the angle wasn't right, and I needed time to play, to enjoy my view. A warning tingled at the base of my spine, reminding me I was close. Brody, God, I love the way you stretch me, sugar. Your body grips mine. I can see your body tugging against my skin. So good. Her sheath flexed around me. She liked the dirty talk. So did I. My hips began to swing in time with hers, my fingers digging into the flesh of her cheeks in a way I knew would leave bruises, but I couldn't stop. I started with slow thrusts in time with hers, but the faster I went, the less her hips moved and the louder her moans got. Brody... I couldn't help but chuckle. That was terrible. I couldn't help but chuckle. Sorry. I couldn't help but chuckle when she drew out my name. Like that, Liliana. Want me to make you come? Twisting herself, she held me suspended with her plum-colored eyes. Jesus, that's the sexiest thing I've ever seen. This was nothing like what I'd felt for Andra. Andra was a poor substitution, a muted shade of blue when real love was a vibrant, was a vibrant violet hue. I was irrevocably, undeniably, in love with Lily Costello. Oh, my sweet hello. (laughs) This was so hot and kind of dirty, but so full of heart and romance. And like, that was such a great blend of the two. And like, that was like such a great blend of what we were talking about earlier with the sort of mechanics of the Mm -hmm. act layered in with the feelings and the emotions and the sensations and all of that. It was like, this was like that, this was sort of like the perfect like picture of all of that that we were talking about. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. That's yeah. just, yeah, I'm glad I got it, you know, right. At least yeah. for you. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I liked, you know, it's so funny because, you know, Brody has a very different staccato 
he has like in terms of like speaking and being in his head and the word choices that that he that you use with him it does feel very masculine Mm-hmm. You know, um, mm-hmm. I don't write dual point of view. Um, well, my next book will be dual point of view, but I don't, I struggle with it. I struggle getting into mm. the head of the character. And as I'm writing the male part, I'm like, shit, it just sounds like the female. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, and I've really got to go back and look at my word choices, you know, because I, I think that that would be, you know, part of it is definitely like, what am I, what, what choice am I using? Yeah, it's, um, again, I think that's something that I get to draw on my background from as tomboy, you know, and being one of the guys is they never watch their language around me. I know how they talk. And as a matter of fact, um, my editor on this book, she and I had to have a, she had to talk, had to have a talk with me because there's one point in the story where I'm using some locker room talk and she's (laughs) like, no, this is too much. And I'm wow. like, okay, all right, I get it, you know, and yeah. it, it's just, but that is, that's how the guys talk. So, um, but yeah, it's, I, I think writing the male POV is a lot like writing sex scenes. It becomes something that mm-hmm. you work on until it becomes innate. So that's a really good point. The other thing is, is that I find myself being good listening to like, male cadence and stuff when they talk and especially when they're in a group because you know that's there's always when I'm around there seems to always be a group of guys it's not me it's just like my husband is a cyclist now he was a football player but he races bicycles and and 90% of his teammates are male so I'm standing there and there's all these guys and they just see me as one of the guys and they talk like the guys right so I'm very good at picking up on the little things that they do, I think, I think anyway, I'm good at that. And that's part of what, you know, helps me write those male POVs. That's excellent. But yeah, it's just, it's almost that I can become a fly on the wall. Yeah. Yeah. There's, I just want to read the very end that you sent me because I really loved it. Um, sure. She came unglued, shattered. Her, her canal pulsed and shoved me over the edge in the hardest fucking orgasm of my life. Lightning rode down my spine. My cock visibly jerked alongside my heartbeat with each throb inside my girl. My girl. Her mouth popped popped open in a little O when she felt it too. As the last of her spasms waned. Holy shit. Yeah, holy shit. (laughs) I was hers so completely. I'd never again be the same. Oh my God, I just fell in love with him. I mean, this was just, this was such a great scene. I thank you so much for sending it over and sharing it. This was so fantastic. Thank you for reading it. You did such a good job. I don't read that well out loud, but yeah, you did great. Thank you. Except for Brody. (laughs) (laughs) That was terrible. That (laughs) (laughs) That was terrible. I need to work on that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no, you did great. Thank you. Um, so what, what's coming up? Uh, what your next book is coming out? Wait, do we, what do we have? Um, February. wait, your next, it was out in February, the second book in the series. No, no, no. The oh, second sorry. one will be out in February, 2022. Oh, February, 2022. Oh, okay. Yeah, and this one got pushed on me. I had to, I broke my foot oh. and then I got COVID. <laughs> 
Oh my God. Yeah. And so it got pushed back and my editor thought she'd give me plenty of time. So I I'm working through line edits on it now, but they, you know, with editing schedules and trad always constantly, you're in a queue, you know what I mean? You, okay. And they pushed you through. So um, right. with that combined with the COVID and me breaking my foot. Yeah. So it's going to have been a year between wow. the two books, but yeah, the next one will be out in February, 2022. It's called okay. model behavior. Great. So um, where can people find you online? Where do you live? Oh gosh. Um, you can find me at uh, trishalynwrites.com. Uh, that's my website. And that's generally where I like to keep news and stuff. I also have a reader group on Facebook called The Jam Session. Cool. I love uh, that. Exactly. Yeah, that came from my my first book. We turned that into the jam session, which there's a, going to be a second book in that series as well. I just have to get the, the trad books out of the way first. Right. Before I can publish that, you know, because I'm under contract for those. <laughs> Yeah, you have to kind of yeah. have to finish those. Megan's yeah, <laughs> I don't turn those in on time. But I miss my blacksmith voice, something seriously. So yeah, we're definitely going back there. But um, where else can they find me? Oh, uh, I have an Instagram. It's at Trisha Lynn Author. Cool. And then if you're on TikTok, I do a lot of funny videos. Oh, I've got to find you on TikTok. I'm there and I hate it. Uh, <laughs> It's a black hole. Like it just sucks me in and it's like suck, suck, suck. I, you just can't get out. Like, and then there's all of the thirst traps and it's Jesus. Oh. I can't stop with the thirst trap. <laughs> well, I've, I've discovered gay TikTok, gay talk. I call it. Oh, I, yeah. I mean, maybe it's a thing. It's yeah. my favorite. I love mm -hmm. gay TikTok. And, um, and my husband is addicted to TikTok. So he sends me all these videos. I have a queue of like, 50 videos from him that he wants me to view. And at this point, I'm like, no, I'm not looking anymore. And I always get these alerts. So-and-so sent you a, t a direct message. I'm like, oh. <laughs> he's upset. And I keep going, I'm taking away your TikTok. I'm taking away your TikTok. But I know like for author talk and book talk, like it's great and we're supposed to be there, but I just feel like a dunce. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. Like, like I, totally I totally feel like a dunce. Yeah, I totally didn't know what to do with myself. And I managed it. I actually stumbled onto a series of funny videos that I started to make and I did it just like, I don't, I don't even remember what prompted the idea, but it's things you don't say to a romance writer. Oh um, uh, yeah. I actually just did one, which was like, you know, fucked up shit. People say to romance writers. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. 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 Exactly. Oh, I got to find yours. Maybe I'll, what, what's it called? I'll stitch with you. Is that what? Uh, <laughs> oh, what no, Oh my God, I got, I'm trying to pull it up here now real quick because I can't even remember what my own username is here. Uh, Trisha Lynn Author, at Trisha Lynn Author. At Trisha Lynn Author. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give you a look up and I'm going to stalk you on, on TikTok because I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Please do. I just like, and I don't, I, I really don't either. And I haven't been there that long. And I've just passed like the thousand followers where you can actually put a link in. Oh my God. I think I have 10 followers. That's how not on TikTok I am. Okay. All right. I can help with that. I don't, I, I can't get, I don't think I can get to like 10,000 followers or something like, 
but I can get you up to a thousand, I think, so that you can put links to your books. Oh, thank you. I would love that because I don't know what the hell I'm doing. And I well, seriously, I have like 17 people following me because I'm like never there. And I'm like, I don't know what this is. I have to be honest and a shout out to Sienna Snow. I don't know if you know who she is. She she writes really hot erotic romances too. And Okay. But she came on TikTok and I'd been there for a couple of weeks and had like, a few hundred followers. And I'm like, how are you doing this? Because she had a thousand followers practically overnight. Wow. And she's like, I watched a couple of YouTube videos and this is what you need to do. And I did it. And lo and behold, two weeks later, I had what I needed to get my link up there. So send me those YouTube videos. Please. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> I can absolutely do that. Thank you so much. Uh -huh. I'm like, I just feel so awkward. And I'm like, I don't even know what I'm doing here. And then my husband, like every time I post something and bless him, I adore him. But like, the last thing I needed was criticism because I was like holding up my book. And of course, it's like backwards. I, like I, I got to fix it somehow. I know there's a setting. I don't have the setting. Like it just means like, I'm just trying to get over the icky feeling of doing this thing on video. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And he's like, Oh, but you can't you like your books back? Can you fix that? I'm like, fuck you. I'm like, I can I can barely like get out there and do this, and you're criticizing me already. I know. Just no. yeah. yeah, and my well, my husband is not a big social media person anyway, so he's constantly making fun of me. What are you doing? I'm shooting a TikTok again. You know, that's that's him. Is yeah, but it it's um. I find that the videos where I'm not afraid to make an total ass out of myself are the ones that do better. Of course. <laughs> so just kind of, as long as I'm myself, I be my, if I'm myself and I don't try to fake it, and yeah, it those do better generally. So. Okay. All right. So be an ass and you'll be fine. <laughs> Got it. Well, at least be yourself and you'll be, you'll be fine. Yeah. Because you're great. I have oh. I've loved chatting with you. This has been so much fun. Oh, my God. Thank you so much. It was awesome to have you here and come back when the next book is ready. Oh, absolutely. I'd love to absolutely. talk to you again. Yeah. Yay. It's another it's another football dog rescue romance. So I kind of am digging the dog rescue thing. I love that that's your big bad. I'm all over that. Oh, oh okay. Last piece. And I yes. will chat all day unless you shut me up. You should okay. know that. <laughs> um, I'm just an extrovert. I can't help it. <laughs> but this book, actually, Protective Instinct, where I got the idea from was my King Corso, my Connie Corso. Yeah. I actually rescued her, and she was um, from a puppy mill. Mm. And so, and she is a, just a wonderful dog, but that's where the idea came from. And the dog in this novel is a cane corso. Her name is Cece and she's based off of my dog, Brennan. Oh. So it, this one was really near and dear to my heart because it had my girl in it. Yeah. Love it. And they actually, my publisher did a great job of finding the dog to put on the cover that looks exactly like her. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's really cool. I love so that. When you, if you see the cover for Protective Instinct, the dog on the front, that's exactly what my Brenny looks like. So, Oh, yeah. I'm definitely going to look that up again. Yeah. Okay. That's all. I'll stop now. <laughs> <laughs> Trisha, thank you so much. This was so much fun. Thank you. I had a blast. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Sign up to get email alerts when a new one goes live at lgreco.rocks. And don't forget to five-star us on Apple or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks for listening. See you next time.